0: Mama said, don't give up, it's a lame Welcome to RCC. My name is Mike. I think I uh, made a mistake and sang along during the, the music was so good I couldn't help myself, but I've already lost my voice this morning. So maybe you'll be in for a shorter sermon, we'll see. But uh, <laughs> welcome to RCC at RHS. I'm really happy that you're here this morning as we continue our How series. Before I do, though, how many people got it right in the little game at the beginning? Who, who saw the real Natasha? Raise them up. So pretty much everybody good. I think it was a dead giveaway when she picked her favorite staff member, right? Like, the real staff never picked me. I thought that was really smart, so Natasha's in line for a raise, I think, for that. We've been in this How series uh, since the beginning of the year here at the high school, Um, and we've talked about how to know you're forgiven, and how to overcome failure, and how to pray, all very practical things that you can apply to your everyday lives. That's the hope. And today we continue that with how to do relationships right. It's a perfect time for it. It's it's, um, Valentine's and everything coming up. So, to talk about relationships is is perfectly timed. However, I'm not just talking about romantic relationships or or dating or or anything like that. Every kind of relationship, this applies to anything, whether it's siblings or co-workers or friends or or marriage, spouses, neighbors, all of them, what we're going to talk about today are, are God's teachings from Scripture that apply to every single relationship. That's the hope. Because... According to God in Scripture, I believe relationships are supposed to be a gift to us. If you think back to the very first people, Adam and Eve, that's that's the very first relationship, right? It starts out with Adam being alone, and God says, being alone isn't good. You you need a companion. You need a friend. So the first relationship ever was a gift. It was a gift to both of them to, to make their lives better and to make themselves better. But if that's what relationships are supposed to be, why is it then that we've probably all experienced bad relationships, right? I think every one of us could say we've had a variety of bad relationships in our life. And again, whether that was with people at work or someone in your family or dating or or whatever it may be, we struggle. And these bad relationships, they bring us down. They, They make us feel worse about ourselves. They're unhealthy. And God doesn't want that for you. That That's not his design. Remember, God designed relationships to be a gift, a good thing. It's not his design for them to mess up your life. So today, or, or even right now, I'd like to reveal from Scripture what I believe God says are the main ingredients for a healthy relationship of any kind, a long-lasting friendship of any kind. And I believe it can help you this week. That's the goal. I believe it can help you this week because these four biblical principles... Show us how to do relationships right. And specifically, show us how to do our part in doing relationships right. Because in the end, you really can't control anyone else, can you? You're in a relationship or a friendship or whatever it is with them, and you can't control how they act all the time, but you can control what you do. So mostly today we're focusing on what we can do ourselves to make our relationships better. The first is this. We need to choose our friends carefully. In Proverbs, the Bible says, A righteous man is cautious in friendship. The righteous choose their friends carefully. So King Solomon is the one who wrote that, and he said, choose your friends carefully, and it makes a lot of sense on the surface. However, I think in reality, if we, if we think about it, that's incredibly countercultural in our world today. We don't really do that. We, we, we really don't choose our friendships. We, we're more likely just to kind of stumble into them by accident. It's the person who works next to you or is on your team or in your class or whatever it is. We kind of just stumble into our friendships more than, more than not. And we have the wrong expectations of those relationships as well. I think there, there's a sense in us sometimes where we, we hope or we think that maybe if I became friends with this person, I was in a relationship with this person, that they would fill up what's missing in my life. I've got this hole in my life, and and, and this love or this friendship could maybe fill that hole for me. This is going to make my life better. We think that sometimes when we begin a new relationship. But it sets us up to expect too much of that relationship. It's like the woman who said, I thought I married Mr. Wright. I just didn't know his first name was always. Or that his mother's full name was, I have to be Wright too." It's hyphenated, right? we got to have realistic expectations. As we begin new relationships, you can't think that they're going to fix your life or or this person is going to do everything for you that hasn't been done so far. All of life is going to change. We have to be realistic with our expectations and we have to be careful as we choose who we're going to be friends with, not stumble into them out of accident or convenience because God says that real friends... Real friends sharpen each other. They make each other better. So you need to pick someone who you think will help you be a better person, but even more importantly, that you're excited to help become a better person too. It says this in the Bible. It says, As iron sharpens iron. A friend sharpens a friend. There's this, this Christian leader. He writes a lot of books on leadership. His name is John Maxwell. He wrote, the most important thing I've learned in leadership is... Those who are closest to me will determine my level of success. A person almost never rises above the level of his or her closest friends. Now, he kind of rips it off from the Bible, actually. Solomon says it better in Proverbs. Solomon says, Whoever walks with the wise will become wise, whoever walks with fools will suffer harm. So essentially, Solomon is saying that we need to choose our friends carefully. And that we need to pick people that will sharpen us, that will challenge us, that will help us to become better people. And even more importantly, that you, again, want to help be better too. That should be your goal in the friendship. I like this person so much. I want to be friends with them so much. I want to help them become the best version of themselves. That's where it begins. And then, once you've identified someone like that, the next step it, it, it sounds simple, but it's not. The next step is just to be loyal. It's easy to say and to think about. It's hard to do sometimes, but we need to be loyal to our friends, and we need to look for a friend who will be loyal to us. Loyalty is a huge part of friendship. The Proverbs seventeen seventeen says, A friend is always loyal. A friend is always loyal. And as a pastor, I get to talk to people about relationships a lot. All different sorts, coworker relationships, someone to date, someone to marry. All, all these things I get to talk all the time with people. There's a lot of relationship talk that goes on back at church during the week. And, and I kind of have this one piece of advice that I always share with people. Maybe maybe you've sat with me and you've heard this and you won't be surprised. But I always share the same piece of advice whenever I'm talking about who to look for in a relationship, like someone to date or whatever it might be. I always say that when it comes to loyalty in a friendship or a relationship, dating, whatever, I always say, you need to look for that big, dumb dog. You need to look for that big, dumb dog kind of person. And and bear with me, maybe you're not a dog person, but I'm about to compare friendship to a big, dumb, loyal dog. And if you're a cat person, I'm sorry, I'm not really a cat person. Anyone who is a cat person, though, when they describe their cat, they always describe it with these words, it acts just like a dog, right? You've heard people say that. So if you have a cat that acts like a dog, or if you have a real dog, dogs, they're so loyal, they reveal to us what a friendship should be. Bear with me. Here we go. I, I have this dog, right? My dog is there for me no matter what I want to do. If I want to see a sunrise, she's there. Doesn't argue. Right out in the boat. If I want to go for a drive, she'll hop in the back seat. Doesn't matter. Every time. Oh, let's go boating. She's ready. She's ready. A snack, doesn't even matter what. Whatever I pick for a snack, she likes it. Right there, Johnny, on the spot. Look at this. If I want to go fishing, she goes fishing. Next, let's go to the lake, have some fun. She jumps right into that. She likes swimming. She'll get anything I throw and bring it back to me. Breakfast every morning, I like, I like yogurt. She likes yogurt. And if Janet isn't around, I even let her lick the spoon. <laughs> Janet's not coming to the second service, so you don't tell her what you saw this morning. If I want to take a nap, she takes a nap. Watch a game. She'll watch a game anytime I want. And at the end of the day, at the side of the lake, when I want to go for a burger, she'll go for a burger. All I got to do is give her, like, a few cold fries. She's into it. I do have to be careful about what she's drinking, though, at the lake. <laughs> All good times, right? Here's the thing, though. Any friend is there for you in the good times. Right, Anyone. They don't have to be a great loyal person to be with you in the good times. Anyone. Everyone's great when things are great. But but a good friend, a real friend, a good dumb dog kind of friend is always there for you. When I have a crummy day, she doesn't care. When I've been a jerk, been off base, you know, kind of screwing up, she doesn't care. She'll lick my face all night. She doesn't care. If I'm sick, she'll lay next to me. If someone gives me a hard time, she'll bite him in the hiney. That's a loyal friend. So when I tell people, look for that big dumb dog, that's what I'm comparing to. Someone will be there for you in the good times, but it's always there for you. Just always. Whether you're having a good day, bad day, whether you've been a good person that day, or you've been kind of a jerk, a good friend is always there for you. doesn't matter. We need to be loyal to our friends, and we need to look for people specifically that'll be loyal back to us. I have one more biblical insight for you this morning. This one's maybe the toughest. You need to apologize to your friends sometimes. In the Bible, it says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. A true apology is more than just an acknowledgement of a mistake when it comes to your friends. It's recognizing that you've done something that could damage the relationship and that you care enough about the relationship that you want to protect it. I'm impressed always when, when a friend apologizes to me about something. It's happened recently. A friend called to apologize about something, and it wasn't even like a, a real major thing or whatever. But after I got off the phone, I was just moved that, that they seemed to be more concerned about our friendship than they were about justifying their actions. They didn't really spend any time explaining what they had done or, or why they had done it or you know trying to make sense of the whole thing. They just said, you know what? This is what I did, and I realized this is how it could have affected you, and, and I apologize. That's not what I wanted to do. And it really meant a lot for, him, for me. To be, he was more concerned about our friendship than anything else. It meant a lot. And he apologized, and I want to be that way for other people as well. I want to care more for my friend than I do about trying to explain why I'm doing everything that I'm doing. Is there someone that you need to be intentional with and apologize to this week? You know, maybe things have gone a bit askew, a little bit off. It happens all the time. That's normal in relationships. Stuff goes wrong. Do you you lead with an apology? Or do you lead with accusations? Or do you lead with justifications? What what do you lead with? I'm saying just, just lead with an apology. If you care about the person, it makes all the difference. So what we have is so far four biblical principles to choose carefully to sharpen each other, to be loyal, and to apologize. These are four biblical ways that we can measure all of our existing relationships. Anyone that you're friends with right now, you can measure that friendship with these four things. But then you can also use these four principles as you begin new relationships. How deep, how close do you want to get with someone? You have to have people that are loyal to you and that you want to be loyal to. So you can specifically look through these things. And then if you're willing to do this for someone else, you can hope and expect that that they would reciprocate, right? But you lead. You like them so much you're willing to do it for them, and then you're hoping and expecting they can do it back to you. This is what you're looking for if you're going to do relationships right. But there's one more key ingredient that we'll talk about this morning. The key ingredient is this. We need to be intentional about our relationships. Intentional. So when I say intentional, I mean to make it a priority and not not even like, you know, one of the top ten, but the priority, the number one priority in your life. Relationships should be the number one priority. Primary objective, the greatest ambition, your whole purpose in life should be relationship. Here's why. In 1 Corinthians, the Bible says, let love be your highest goal. Let love be your highest goal. So of all the goals you can have in life, and there's lots of good goals to have in life, it says, let love be your highest goal. He says that because God says love or, or relationships are actually what life is all about. I have to show you one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. It's from 1 Timothy. It says this. It's Paul writing to Timothy, his protege. He says, the purpose of my instruction is that all Christians there would be filled with love? Now, that's a real easy verse to gloss over, you know especially if you've been a Christian for a while. If you've been someone who for a long time says, "I believe in God and I believe in Jesus, for a long time you believe these things, you might gloss over that verse. say, "Oh, I know love's a good thing. Jesus is God is love. Woo, love, yay, Kumbaya." you might think that. But man, that's one of the most compelling verses in the entire Bible. The purpose of all my instruction. So Paul, all the teaching in the Bible, all of it, he says the purpose of all of that is that we would love each other more. So you can study the Bible all day, every day. You can memorize the whole Bible. But you're missing the entire point, the entire purpose, if that doesn't help you to love God and love other people more. You've missed it all. You've been a Christian 20 years and you're not doing that? You missed it all. You could, you could quote me the whole Bible, and you don't actually know any of it. Because the purpose of all of the teaching is that we would have more love for each other and more love for God. That's the summary. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. So if you've been a, a Christian for a long time, this is something you're, you need to be ready to embrace. You don't need to learn more stuff. You need to embrace this. So important. This is what God is looking for. Signs of love in your life. God doesn't say relationships are part of life, or God doesn't say they're even an important part of life. He says they are life. It's the life, relationship. Here it is, straight from Jesus. A guy comes up to Jesus, and he says, teacher, what's the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replies, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. So this is Jesus saying that what matters is relationship, not achievement. But, but if that's true, why is it that so often in our lives relationships get the short end of the stick? They're, they're so often maybe the last thing that we think about. We take care of all the other stuff first, and we cut back on our time with friends. We cut back on our time with God. We spend all sorts of time like making a living and finishing the work and paying the bills and making progress and accomplishing the goals. All that stuff is, we do it, we do it, we do it all day long. As if that's the point of life. But it's not. There's this story about a history teacher who was scolding his teenage son. He said, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. When Abraham Lincoln was your age, he was out building rail fences. You won't even do your homework. The teen responds, well, Dad, when Abraham Lincoln was your age, he was president of the United States. (laughs) That was a gift for all of our RCC teens. (laughs) Hopefully you're paying attention. It was actually a gift for all of you. Maybe if you're younger, a greater gift than you're older. I'm not sure. Maybe you're too old to change your ways. But if you're young, it's easier to change. It's really a gift for all of you because you need to know the point of life is love, is relationship. It's not achievement. It's not accomplishment. It's great to get an A or to to win the game or to get a raise or a promotion. Those are great things, great things, and, and you should strive for those things. But it's not the point of life. That's not what life is all about, at least not according to God. And you know what? It seems like older people always end up figuring this out. When you talk to someone who's older and has more experience and probably is a bit wiser than we are, they always wish they had spent more time with friends and family. They always talk about relationship. So why not figure it out sooner? Why wait till you're older and then have a regret? Why not just now, today, no matter what age you are, no matter how much time you have left? What, what if relationships became the most important part of your life? There's a story about this big-time business dude. He was in Mexico on a business trip. He had all these meetings and stuff, and he had a a little time in between meetings, so he went down, and for the only time, the 10 minutes he had, he wanted to take a little look at the ocean. So he's standing there at the ocean and looking out, and sure enough, a dude rose up in a a rowboat similar to this one. and, And the guy rose up to shore, and he gets out of his rowboat all by himself, and he's got this stringer of four giant fish. And the businessman's intrigued. Right, never gets to go fishing. You know, he just works all the time. So he's intrigued about these four giant fish. And he goes up to the guy and says, oh, how long did it take you to catch those fish? And the fisherman says, oh, about three hours. And then the, the businessman says, well, what are you, you going to do with them? He said, I'm going to feed my family. I'm going to take them home and feed my family. And then the businessman says, well, what are you going to do with the rest of your time? And the fisherman says, well, I'm going to have a siesta with my wife, play with my kids, enjoy the evening. And the businessman, like, his his business mind just starts kicking into high gear, and he says, wow, do you realize, and that was just three hours, do you realize that if you spent nine hours a day, you'd actually catch three times as many fish, and you could sell all those extra fish, start a business, sell the fish and then you could buy more boats and you could hire people and they could fish for you and you'd catch even more fish and then the business would grow and eventually you'd sell so many fish you could ship them off to new york you get on the new york stock exchange you'd have a giant business if you worked hard enough and if you worked long enough you could someday retire by the sea and hang out with your children he didn't even realize what he had said because his poor businessman had totally missed the point of life The other dude already had everything that he wanted everything that he was working so hard to get someday the other guy already had it we just don't think sometimes nothing can take the place of relationships fame can't wealth can't success can't love is what really matters and in that fisherman he understood that he was excited about his relationships more than anything else because Love is what mattered, and, and the best expression of love is time. In First John, the Bible says, let us, stop just, let us stop just saying we love each other. Let us really show it by our actions. Guys, as men, I think we probably screwed this up more than anybody. Like, I I think it's common for us that we want to be the provider and, you know, there's the house and the school clothes and the food. And we think that's our responsibility to take care of all those needs, all that stuff, and provide for people that we love. And sometimes we work ourselves to death just to to buy stuff for other people or for our kids when, when all they really want is our time. And they want it now, right? With kids, you know it, everything has to be now. With kids, everything is up, right? They're growing up, they're wound up, they want us to speed up, hurry up, or they beg, can I stay up? And with adults, it's the opposite. Everything's later or down. Calm down, slow down, sit down, put that down, keep that down, or you're grounded. All of a sudden, I don't know when it happens, what age it is, but we just switch. But when it comes to relationships, don't say later. Don't ever say later for relationships. Say now. There's a lot of areas of your life that it's okay to procrastinate, you know, put it off till tomorrow. It's not really that big of a deal. Lots of things can be put off. But since love or a relationship is the most important part of life, any time you choose something else over that, you're making the wrong choice. You're not choosing the most important thing. Why is now the most important time to express love? Why is now the most important time to build a relationship? you don't know how long you're going to have an opportunity. Circumstances change. People move away. People die. Children grow up and leave home. Here's what's funny. As I was working through the sermon and writing it, I had taught about relationships uh, like 12 years ago here at church in the other building. And um, I I went and found those notes to see all the things I had talked about. And in those notes from from 12 years ago, I wrote about a time when when I I prioritized and took my 10-year-old to a movie instead of doing some extra work. And and how I thought that had been a good decision that week. And and in my notes, I I said, Theo is going to be 11 soon. There's only so many more trips to the movies together. Theo's 22 now. Those last 12 years, that fast. We had a great time when he was 10. We're still having a great time at 22. But I was very careful not to miss opportunities. And I want you to be careful not to miss opportunities. Chances to have a good time with your friends or your family because you're not guaranteed tomorrow. Today is the best time to express love. Today is the best time to, to work on a friendship. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. So this week, do you need to change? Do you need to think through these things this week and decide I need to start, start spending some more time with and then whoever it is in your life? Maybe it's a friend or a spouse or your children. Maybe it's even God. But who do you need to spend more time with? Because you should think of your time as an investment. Time is an investment. It's an investment of yourself. It's an investment of your energy. But if we're intentional and we follow God's direction, when it comes to relationships, if we do relationships God's way, then we'll have healthy relationships. He's the one who invented relationships. He should know. How much better could your life be this week with an improved relationship? It's also an investment to become a friend of God. Maybe you didn't even know that was possible to become a friend of God. Maybe you're newer to RCC. But it's one of our values here at church, always has been, investing in a personal relationship with God, investing in a friendship with God. Because being a friend of God is possible in the Bible. This is what it says. James 2.23. And so it happened, just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God, so God declared him to be righteous. He was even called the friend of God. A person, just a guy, Abraham. No better, no worse than you. We believe here at RCC that everybody fits, right? It's one of the everybody's. It's because of this. It's because of what the Bible says. You fit with God. God wants to be your friend. It doesn't matter what stupid stuff you've done or are doing. God never writes you off. He never gives up on you. You're never too bad for him. He's never sick of you. God always wants to begin a relationship with you. God always wants to deepen his relationship with you. It's all over the Bible. How much better could your life be if you felt closer to God? Would Wednesday be better this week? I think so. Would a a frustrating time at work not be so bad if you were closer to God? I believe so. And if you want to become a friend of God, if you want to draw close to God, here's how. James 4, 8, draw close to God and God will draw close to you. God doesn't drag you out. He doesn't force you into a relationship with him. If you're not feeling it, that's because God doesn't force it on you. But he gives you the opportunity, no matter who you are, all the time. That's amazing. You know, sometimes we get frustrated with God over different things. This is an amazing thing about God. He always wants to be your friend, and he doesn't force himself on you. It's amazing. And it says, all you have to do is try to draw close, and he will draw close to you. It's like, you take a step, he takes a step. It's amazing. It's an exciting thing about God. And if you want to do that, Jesus says... We can do that through him it's my last verse from today here it is it's in the book of john jesus says i'm the way the truth and the life no one can come to the father except through me if you had known who i am then you would know who my father is from now on you know him and have seen him god sent jesus his son to earth to represent him on earth jesus is essentially god on earth so we could understand what god is like so we could understand what god values so that we could have a relationship with God through a full person in Jesus. Jesus is fully God and also fully a man. That was God's design for us, and I don't know why. There's not a great description in the Bible about why God did it that way, but it's described again and again that he did it that way. God gave us Jesus as as the bridge to him. So as you consider your life this week, as you consider your relationship with God this week, Ask yourself, do you want to grow closer to God? Just be real with yourself. And then if your answer is yes, I'd like to be closer to God, then take a step. Your step, whatever it is. You all got different steps. You know what it is, though. You can take your step this week. Maybe it's to change something in your life. Maybe it's to start coming to church. Maybe it's to begin a relationship with Jesus. That's why this church exists. If you need help with any of that, Everyone on staff, that's our favorite thing to do. All you got to do is send an email, drop in, make a phone call, and we'll help you take a step. We won't force anything on you. It'll be at your rate, at your speed, at your desire. But not only is this whole staff here to help, there's hundreds of people in the church that love helping with that. You have all the support you could need. This church is the perfect place to for you at your own pace and your own style, just to be yourself, grow your own personal relationship with God. So as I close, that's what I'm going to pray about. I'm going to pray that God would help each of you draw closer to him. If you'd like that, bow your heads, and I'll say the words for us. Dear Lord, I know that you know each person here today. You know them individually. You know the strengths of their life. You know the hurts in their life. You know their needs. And God, according to Scripture, we know that you want to be closer to each of them. So God, I pray for each of us here this morning. You would help us do our part. You would help us draw closer to you. And then God, I ask you to fulfill your promise and in turn draw closer to us. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.